This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. Welcome, everyone. We are going to have a very interesting episode discussing cardiac rehabilitation, post-exercise hypertension, and personalized exercise prescription. And what a guest we have for this episode. Our guest is working as a distinguished professor of kinesiology in the University of Connecticut. Earlier, she directed the Department of Health Promotion at New Britain General Hospital for 10 years. Her papers have been cited over 40,000 times. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest, distinguished professor Linda Pescatello. Welcome, Linda. Thank you, Ollie, for your uh, nice introductory comments and allowing me to do this podcast with you today. Yeah, it's fully, fully my pleasure. So should we start? Would you like to introduce yourself and tell a little bit about your career? Sure. Um, well, as you said, I'm currently at the University of Connecticut campus, the academic campus in Stores, Connecticut. I've been teaching here now since 1998. And prior to coming to UConn, actually, all three of my degrees are from the University of Connecticut. My undergraduate in biochemistry, my master's in exercise science, and then my PhD also in exercise science. And when I first left the University of Connecticut with after getting my undergraduate degree, I became a high, a high school teacher at a local high school, uh, maybe 15 minutes from UConn. I was a biology and chemistry teacher and a coach. And the requirement is that you have to get your master's degree within a certain amount of time. And I remember saying to myself, I don't know what that should be. And I was out hanging clothes. And at that time, exercise science was a new emerging field. And I said, that would be a wonderful degree for me because it combines my love for biology and chemistry, but also sports. Because um, I, at UConn, I played uh, softball, basketball, and tennis. And so when I went back to UConn to get my master's degree uh, with my advisor, Dr. David Camion, it was obvious I was just touching upon the tip of the iceberg. So I left high school teaching, uh, went back and got my PhD, and it was through an internship I did uh, for my master's program that I went over uh, to New Britain General Hospital in a local town in Connecticut. Connecticut's a very small state, and I think it takes three hours <laughs> to get across it. So nothing is terribly far. And uh, my internship was in cardiac rehabilitation with a pioneer um, cardiologist in prevention. Uh, and so I was very fortunate to align with him. And he was the one that encouraged me to get my PhD which I did while working at New Britain General and working in cardiac rehab with him. 
And it was through my experiences with him and him introducing me to ambulatory blood pressure monitoring that my research began to take off. And when you consider that ambulatory blood pressure monitoring is now considered the state of art for the diagnosis of hypertension, he was way ahead of his time because this was in 1998. And one thing I saw when I was working in the cardiac rehab program is when the patients came in and we took their blood pressure and when they left and we took their blood pressure, it was consistently lower. And then I came across an article in the British Medical Journal by a PhD student, of all things. It was kind of a case study commentary. His name was William Fitzgerald. And what he noticed, he obviously had hypertension, but when he took his blood pressure before jogging and then took it afterwards, again, it was consistently lower. And at that time, when people studied the blood pressure response to exercise, they strictly did it in the laboratory, I mean, for all the obvious reasons. And a thought that I had is maybe exercise has nothing to do with lowering blood pressure, and it's the fact of having time out in the laboratory. So I said, what needs to be introduced, and that these became classic designs in post-exercise hypertension that people throughout the world today use, is the need for a sham control session where they also come into the laboratory but don't exercise. And as importantly, what Charlie, Dr. Leach introduced me to is, is the laboratory effect sustained under conditions of daily living, when people are working, when there's stress. And so with Charlie, um, we undertook a study. Um, back then, it was actually 12 subjects, six with normal blood pressure, six with hypertension. And sure enough, it became obvious that blood pressure was lower on the days that these were men, and maybe we picked the right six men at that time. I'm not sure a study of six people with hypertension would get published today, but nonetheless, it was published in circulation. It was featured with an editorial, and we did find that after exercise, under ambulatory conditions, blood pressure is sustained, uh, lower blood pressure is sustained for about 13 hours, and came to the conclusion that blood pressure is lower on the days we exercise than we don't. And so this is some of the work I was doing at New Britain General Hospital as a, a director of a Department of Health Promotion. And then of all things, a patient in our cardiac rehab program at another local university, University of Hartford, was looking for a kinesiologist to come and teach in their physical therapy curriculum. So I went to the University of Hartford for two years to do that and then got lured back to University of Connecticut, um, where I, as I've said earlier, have been there now since 1998, doing more research on post-exercise hypertension, and I know other things we'll talk about. Yeah, so interesting story of measuring ambulatory blood pressure 
already in 1998. Could you tell how how was the device? Was it commercially available, or was it something you developed by yourself to to be able to measure? You know, again, Charlie was a pioneer, and um, he they look a, a little bit awkward. They're bigger than the present day in terms of what you wear on your belt. But really, the prototype is very similar to what we have now, except it's a little bit lighter. And he used to give this to his patients in the late 1980s and early 1990s. Now, back then, insurance did not pay for it. Um, There's still issues, although it's getting better. Um, but these were available as clinical tools within the hospital. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. And and you said that the lower blood pressure stays for 13 hours after the exercise. What what are the mechanisms? How how well do we understand why what happens in the body? Yeah, and, and actually, it's another group um, that demonstrated it can stay up um, lower for the next 22 hours. So again, in essence, on the days we exercise, blood pressure is lower. And you know, after all these years, there are several proposed mechanisms. And one of um, the researchers that his research focused on this for quite a long time is Dr. Hollywell. And of all things, histamine receptors are involved. Other people have shown that it's a resetting of the barrel reflex. Uh, some things we we thought contributed to it, which would be a blunting of um, systematic um, or sympathetic nerve receptors um, would contribute to the lowering of blood pressure. That didn't manifest itself. But if if you look at the simple equation of, you know, cardiac um, mean arterial pressure equaling cardiac uh, output times total peripheral resistance, there is universal agreement that it is due to lowering of total peripheral resistance. The mechanisms of that, yes, baroreceptor um resetting, and then obviously just some of the vasodilatation that goes on to redistribute blood flow when we exercise. But in healthy adults, it it doesn't seem to be due to changes in cardiac output per se. But in people with chronic disease, there is also, um, there would be some lowering of cardiac output post-exercise as well. But it's still a work in progress to pinpoint what the mechanisms are, which honestly, it's still a work in progress to figure out what the etiology of hypertension truly is. And it's all due to the redundancies and control mechanisms. Yeah. So basically, the ones with the hypertension and healthy ones both have a lower blood pressure, but with the, with the hypertension, also the cardiac output was, was lowered. Well, um, in, not so much with hypertension, but people with chronic diseases such as heart failure, um, diabetes, and things like that. And then what, what we find with hypertension, and it's, it's uh, I would say it's now an established, what would you say, a characteristic 
of the effect of exercise on blood pressure after exercise is that those with the highest blood pressure, meaning those with hypertension, but stage two more than stage one, lower their blood pressure to greater levels than people with more normal resting blood pressure levels. And that's consistent with something called the law of initial values, which Wilder formulated of all things in 1956. And it's much of the response, as is true with other health outcomes, is related to what we start with or a function of what we start with. And so what happens in our world of exercise science, if you're studying people with normal blood pressure, it's not that post-exercise hypertension doesn't occur and blood pressure tends to be lower, but the magnitude of the lowering will be less because what you're starting with is lower. And so consequently in these studies, the sample sizes you need are larger than what you need for people with hypertension. And so oftentimes studies can be underpowered and because they're underpowered might again contribute to a type two statistical error. So something to watch out for in the literature and why sometimes th there's conflicting reports, but that's not only true of blood pressure, it's it do, uh, with, true with a lot of physiologic outcomes that respond to exercise. This podcast is sponsored by Fibian, a research device that has been shown to be valid in tracking sitting, standing, physical activity, and energy expenditure. Furthermore, Fibian has been shown to be valid categorizing physical activity into light, moderate, and vigorous intensity. In addition to scientific accuracy, Fibian provides automatically produced and easy-to-understand reports for research participants. Get scientific validation and learn more about Fibian at fibian.com research. Fibian, from researchers to researchers. So, so the blood pressure stays lower. What are the, are the practical implications of this? How, how beneficial is this and how we can kind of use and leverage this? Yeah, um, I, I mean, things we have established over the years. And when I say we, the work began at um, New Britain General Hospital, which was a local community hospital. In 1998, Paul Thompson came to Harford Hospital in Connecticut. And he and I have collaborated on many studies over the years. And part of the group of studies we collaborated on were those related to post-exercise hypertension. And then, of course, that's when I transitioned to Yukon and then some of my colleagues there. So what we have found, I mean, first of all, people that aren't familiar with it will think it's a bad thing. It's not the hypotensive response when after exercise you stop suddenly and you faint and fall down. Um, okay, there is hypotension that can occur after exercise. Um, this is something different in that it's a very good thing. I mean, it lowers your blood pressure to clinically meaningful levels. And the effect is immediate. It lasts, like I say, throughout the remainder of the day. 
it occurs in those with the highest resting blood pressure levels or those in greatest need of the antihypertensive effects of exercise. We found, um, again, in an article we published in the American Heart Journal, that the blood pressure lowering effects of exercise are directly related to exercise intensity, meaning the more vigorous you exercise, the greater the reduction in blood pressure. And so in this population, moderate intensity is typically recommended weighing the cost-benefit ratio. But if the patient is willing and able to exercise more vigorously, that should more favorably impact their blood pressure. In recent years, um, people have found, although this is still an area in need of investigation, that if you experience post-exercise hypertension, which is your blood pressure response to an acute or single session of exercise, um, then that is predictive that if you undergo an exercise training program, if you manifest PEH, as we affectionately call post-exercise hypertension, you're much more likely to have a favorable blood pressure response to an exercise training program. So it has promise as a screening tool. And what that could mean is if both of us were tested with an acute bout of exercise, I lowered my blood pressure, you didn't, other lifestyle interventions for you could be initiated more rapidly. And exercise should work for me. Not that you wouldn't try diet and things like that, but you wouldn't spend a lot of time exercise training solely to lower your blood pressure, but you might try for you other lifestyle interventions. The other thing is, and, and this is a, a paper we recently published from um, a doctoral student in my laboratory, Dr. Zaleski, where we found that using post-exercise hypotension or PEH as a behavioral monitoring self-regulation strategy with patients with hypertension that it actually can be used to enhance exercise adherence. Meaning if you tell your patients to buy a home BP monitor, which is what we used outside of the laboratory in this study, take your blood pressure before and after exercise on exercise days, still take your blood pressure on days you're not exercising and compare the two and you'll see your blood pressure is lower immediately after an exercise bout. And also your pressure is lower on the days you exercise than the days you don't. And this would serve to increase exercise adherence to exercise, um, exercise which we know is poor. Um, that's what we hear a lot of in our profession. We all know exercise is good for us, but few of us do it. So there is some promise along that, those lines as well. Yeah, that's that's an interesting finding. I haven't heard. And do you think it's because it is it is an immediate? If they would be looking for a weight loss, it would take time. Maybe they wouldn't even succeed. It's a real measure, but happens immediately, and they can follow it. Do you think that's the that's the effect? 
Yes, it's the you know me, immediate reinforcement, and then when you monitor it over time, and we're in the midst of publishing a paper right now investigating this very issue, you know someone goes um, undergoes an exercise training program. If they do monitor their blood pressure after each time they exercise, do they always see post-exercise hypotension? And we're in the midst right now, um, it's an actually an undergraduate in my laboratory uh, working on this for his honors thesis, um, Peter Kernian, who actually is using some of the data we collected in Dr. Zalewski's dissertation to study this question. But if indeed it is consistent and you can always see that it happens, it reinforces the value of exercise to you for the control of your blood pressure. And you just see it in front of you all the time. And and do you have you measured any cases that it doesn't happen? That for example, one day it drops and then another day, same training, same person, it doesn't. To my knowledge, there really hasn't been a study to investigate the consistency by which post-exercise hypotension occurs during training. And that's why we're very um, interested in what we're looking at now. What the literature reports, and it was actually Jim Hagberg that did a, a lot of this work, that depending on the source, about 20% of people don't manifest PEH. But when you look at the literature closely, you often see it's related to less rigorous study designs and not controlling for the circadian rhythm in blood pressure. I, I mean, I could go on and on about what you see in these study designs. So that some of that 20% is attributed to, to methodological weaknesses. Some and it may prove to be the case, there's just some people that aren't going to manifest PEH, but I think the number is less than 20%. And and if I go a little bit back, you said about the response between individuals, that if one person drops more than the other, could you tell what were the implications for the training? Is it that the others respond better in general for aerobic training? I don't know. Um, I, you know, again, I don't think we know the answer to that question. I mean, one thing may be a person likes to exercise more vigorously than the other person. And so if you do, you probably will see a greater drop. Um, I mean, that would be one instance. But sure, I mean, there's genetic predispositions. And actually, some of my work did investigate that and we found you know certain genes more predictive of drops in pressure than others but for all the reasons we now know about candidate gene association studies and their limitations i would be very hesitant to attribute it to a particular polymorphism and so so basically anyway people can drop their blood pressure for 10 to 20 hours with an exercise so basically exercising every day you can basically keep it lower all the time is there any longitudinal studies that show for example with a relationship with cardiac events or or some other adverse events no I, you know again if peh is related to the exercise training effect 
we just published a um, systematic review meta-analysis and network meta-analysis. Again, uh, with my colleagues from UConn that I've collaborated with for a long time over the years, and a postdoc a fellow in my laboratory helped with this study too by the name of Dr. Yinwu, and then my collaborator from statistics is Dr. Ming Cheng. And I guess the purpose of the study initially was to compare uh, whether exercise is on equal footing with medications in terms of lowering blood pressure. And there's a perception in the medical community that medications work better than exercise. And the bottom line is, and it was Jacchetti in a systematic review he did, I think it was in 2015, where it didn't matter what medication it was in, in terms of averting cardiovascular morbidity and mortality. It was the degree of magnitude of blood, the blood pressure reduction. So individual medications, you know, maybe there are nuances, but his systematic review, again, established that as long as they lower blood pressure, they're going to work. And so we have found, along with two other teams that have published network meta-analysis, that indeed, if you are looking at populations with hypertension and they are exercised chronically now, um, and the blood pressure reductions that are elicited from exercise equal those of medication or exceed medication. So again, I'm going to just attribute it to the reductions in blood pressure that occur but has anyone studied this longitudinally with exercise per se among people with hypertension? There are stu some studies out there that indicate exercise is um, protective. But I can't say that somebody has studied the acute effects per se in inverting cardiovascular morbidity and mortality. But you would suspect they're there. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.